BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to The Morning Toast. It is Thursday. This week is actually sort of cruising by. Hey, Claude, what's good? Hey, Jax, it's good. Yes, the week is cruising by, but like for what? You know, like what are we rushing to? Nothing? For you and I, I'm rushing towards a day where I can sleep in completely like past noon craziness overload. I was just telling you before the show, I've been having so much trouble falling asleep during quarantine. And there are many things that like bother me, but the one thing that bothers me the most is not being able to sleep. And Ben is like fast asleep next to me. And like, I'm on my phone and he's like, it's so bright. Turn it off. Like I hate being up. I hate being like left alone with my thoughts and nothing's going on online. Like I, it, I don't know what to do. I'm on a bad schedule and I don't know how to get off of it because I was up till three. Read. I'm not that bored, but maybe soon. Maybe I'll get there. Just read Jessica Simpson's book. And by the way, if you really hate reading, it will put you to sleep. That's the point. That's why I said it. Not because I think it's going to stimulate you. How do I read when Ben is asleep? You have to get a Kindle, but, or like with a little flashlight or go into the living room. Yeah. I was thinking last night of going into the living room and just finally giving up and like maybe falling asleep on the couch, but I eventually fell asleep. It's just, it's so frustrating. The nights are so long. I know. I usually have a lot of trouble falling asleep, but yesterday due to my shift in schedule where I woke up earlier to work out and then did a second workout with the live method, I think I tired myself out enough to fall asleep around like 1.30 with ease. Um, I am so sore. I did a one-on-one training session with Matt from the live method, like in my room, like literally what I said I was never going to do. You should have seen me with my jumping jacks, but my whole second bedroom is now like, I have everything that I need. Zach got this kettlebell that's like digital and it can become more or less weight. You just have to like set it. It's crazy. I think it's the coolest thing ever. That is crazy. Wait, speaking of the live method, there was a post yesterday in the Facebook group, like drop um, something you thought about the Steens, like that ended up being not true. And everyone was like, I thought Jackie and Claudia were friends, blah, blah, blah. And it was just so funny to see what, like what people think about us before they get to know us. And literally everybody thought that our sister Olivia owned the live method. And honestly, I, I, I can't believe more people don't think that like, it's so confusing. No, it's so confusing. Um, and I'm sure people are hearing this now and like they're realizing that she doesn't own the live method. She just started going there and it happens to be called the live method, which is just, it's, I think that's why she probably started like loving it so much. Yeah. It's, it was really honestly a hysterical um, post. Hysterical. It would be a great episode for Patreon for us to like react to all the things people thought about us. 
Oh yeah, that would be really funny. But speaking of Patreon, we're doing our Zoom happy hour today. So such a busy day here in quarantine. Our Zoom account is just really getting its money worth. Jackie paid for a premium Zoom account. And like, honestly, that makes you like in this day and age, it makes you like a socialite. Like a Rockefeller. Like I yeah. have a premium Zoom who wants to hang. Um, yeah, no, I needed, another- to, I needed to buy it for the redheads because usually they won't kick you off after 45 minutes if it's only two people, but we were four people. And so now I host every Saturday night Zoom, every happy hour, every, you know, Seder. Honestly, it's, it's been a good investment. It's really nice to know someone with the hookup. Yeah, and like you know, if you ever needed to use it, like I'd I'd hook it up and you could borrow. And that just feels good to know. Like I can fall back on that. Yeah, for sure. In um in an in a related story to my whole uh, not being able to fall asleep, I'm getting a new mattress tomorrow, and I'm so excited. I me and Ben's mattress, like I'm not gonna lie, when we bought it, we definitely cheaped out. I just I want to say, um, mattress firm is nothing of the sort. Because this bed is like less than two years old and it is lump city. And I went with the finest mattress I could find that would be able to live, to deliver um, Tempur-Pedic tomorrow. So I will keep everyone updated. I'm very excited for a new bed. I think maybe that'll shift my entire schedule, my entire perspective. That's an exciting quarantine update for sure. I need something exciting like that. Oh, you know what I did yesterday? I bought some really cool nail colors from Essie um, from Target Online. And that's really just going to change things around. Because when I've been watching Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, now I'm envious of their manicures. Last night I was envious of Garcelle's latte, but envious of Erica's manicure. She had this Barbie to pink nail polish on. So I got four really cool summery colors that I think are just going to put a little pep in my step. I was envious of their breakfast. It looked so good. We are going to recap Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But you know, they sell Essie nail polish at like Dwayne Reed too. Yeah, they do, but they don't have all the new colors, you know? And I just no. wanted, the, I wanted the whole collection. And I wanted to choose my colors and they'll come by Saturday. So hopefully. Fabulous. 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 That like really is something new and exciting for me. Uh, you know what? If quarantine has taught me anything, it's truly just to appreciate the little things in life. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I'm doing. And now that I'm like getting pretty good at my nails, I feel like even after quarantine, I'm going to utilize this new skill. Not all the time, but don't you think there's so many times when like you don't have time to get a manicure, but you're going to like kind of an important dinner. You don't want to show up with chip nail polish and you just like either panic or you show up with chip nail polish. That doesn't yeah. have to happen for me anymore. That's Those actually very true. Something that I'm taking out of quarantine that I have learned that I would love to implement in everyday life is cooking dinner. Um, I just can't believe that like my whole life, well, my adult life, like with Ben, we just order dinner every night. Like it's nothing. And I, first of all, never realized how much money I was spending. Like the amount I would spend on like two takeout dinners is what I spend in groceries for like the week. Um, it's very fulfilling to like use your kitchen. I can't explain it. It sounds so dumb to people. And I have a small kitchen and it literally never occurred to me that it was small. But now that I'm using it so much, I'm like, I need a six stove top. Um, you know, like I'm like, I don't even like there's all these things that I need. No, I'm in the exact same position. I have such an appreciation for cooking, making my own food because I can eat like better, like more delicious food because I can make it in a more healthy way. Also, my kitchen is tiny. Like we've got to move. And so yesterday me and Ben ordered Chinese food. And like now I know the feeling. Like remember that scene right before Charlotte and Harry break up, uh, find out that they are getting a baby from China. She comes into the house and she's like, I'm a bad wife. I picked up Chinese. And it's like, I actually understand that feeling now. Like I was just being like a lazy wife but I had been working so hard on my meals for the last four weeks. Like I felt like I deserved to order Chinese. 
Of course. I ordered a delicious feast as well last night because I need some protein. I realized I've been eating all carbs because I can't get protein right now because there's no kosher meat and I'm not like crazy about cooking fish. I'm not that good at it. So I ordered some kosher um, meatballs and it was really good. Oh, that is good. Where'd you order from? What was open? Pita Grill. It was so good. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely feeling like this next week I will be leaning a little bit more into taking out just because I'm like over the stuff in my house. And I only know how to make like four things. So it's like a weekly rotation of the same four things. And it's just getting like a little monotonous. Yeah, well, maybe you could check out some new recipes. I'm sure the toasters have great recipes. I've been loving getting people's recipes. My favorite thing to do is when someone posts something delicious looking on their Instagram story, like a friend, I just message like, oh my God, this looks so good. Can I have your recipe? And everyone's just sharing recipes. Some people, like my friends have been asking me for my stuffed red pepper recipe. So I take a picture of the home chef card and I send it to them. Um, But it's like a recipe exchange is a fabulous thing. Yeah, but recipes are interesting because in my journey on cooking, I have now followed three recipes from foodnetwork.com and they were all a piece of garbage, like literal shit. I can't believe that the Food Network has such, like, they should be ashamed of themselves, especially Giada De Laurentiis because I made her bolognese and it was the definition of nothing of the sort. So I agree. I think getting a recipe from a friend, like someone who made it, if you're a toaster and you, and see, here's the thing. I have very limited cooking skills. I have limited ingredients in my house and- I have a limited palate. So like, I don't like things with vegetables. I don't like fancy things. So like, if you have a recipe for me that it can be made with chicken, ground beef or ground turkey, or I have some steak actually. Um, and it's simple, like a child would like it and it's easy to make. Please tag me in the Facebook group or something. But other than that, I can't, I can't be bothered with, you know, a beef strombone. I'm glad you admitted that your bolognese was nothing of the sort. And next time you want a bolognese recipe, hit up Kristen because I used her recipe and it was fabulous and easy. So easy. But you know what I am really good at that I'm not getting sick of is making taco meat. I fucking love tacos. Like, and it's so great the next day for lunch. And I don't know where, what planet I've been living on that I haven't been eating my tacos with Tostitos chips. Like Ben like brought them to the dinner table one time and the salt of, you don't even need a shell. Like the salt of a Tostito chip dipped in your like day old taco meat is. Yeah, that's really good. I, you know, I know you're crazy about tacos for me. Like. I like them here and there, but I don't think I, I could, I don't think I would ever use my ground meat, which is so precious to me now to make tacos. Like I'm always going to go meatballs or bolognese. Yeah. And I just want to say one thing about ground meat. Um, those who say that ground turkey and ground beef are interchangeable are absolute liars. Like I think that ground turkey should be banned. It's the most disgusting thing. And I have so what? much in my house. Yeah. I love ground turkey. Can I have yours? No, I, just in case I need it, but like, it's disgusting. Wow. See? Okay. Well, we've got a great show for you today. We've got Fast Five Stories. We do have five. And then we're going to recap Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and a little bit of Too Hot to Handle. I just want to like talk about some of the main themes I'm seeing because um, I'm only on like episode four, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, no, it's a fabulous show. And I really appreciate the minute, the episodes being under 40 minutes. Like most of them are like in the thirties and that just makes it so much easier to watch. Like I really liked Love is Blind, but there were so many episodes and they were like over an hour and it was just like a big undertaking. And in quarantine, I'm not in the mood for undertakings. Oh, I'm very, like, I'm in the mood for undertakings. And I didn't even notice the episode length because I just do play next. Yeah. You like really look at the lengths of things. I just. Yeah. I, like, it's don't have a long attention span. No, you don't. Well. I don't. That's that on that. <laughs> Are you waiting for me to say something? No. Okay, I'm waiting for you to say something. <laughs> I 
Okay, without further ado, it is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. Um, first story is an exciting story. It's a little quarantine programming that I think is very in tune with what's necessary. Sorry, I was getting all my toast phrases jumbled. I'm like, um, pertinent to the necessary. <laughs> okay. Eddie Murphy and Adam Sandler join the star-studded Feeding America comedy live stream. Eddie Murphy is back on the stand-up comedy circuit after a long break, and soon he'll be in your living room. The legendary comedian, along with Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Tiffany Haddish, Howie Mandel, Billy Crystal, Kevin Hart, Mark Marin, Marlon Wayans, Margaret Cho, Tim Meadows, John Lovitz, and more have joined the star-studded lineup of the Feeding America Comedy Festival, which was put together by Byron Allen, a former comedian, producer, and CEO of the Allen Media Group. The May 19th charity event, which is co-produced by Funny or Die, will involve the comedians performing live stream sets from their own homes to raise money for Feeding America. Okay, I have two things to say. One, in that lineup that you just announced, there was one woman. Like, if that is not a stunning indictment on the state of comedy, Margaret Cho, and who else? Tiffany Haddish. Oh, okay. Two women, like, my God, like, they couldn't have asked me. And two, I think this is fabulous. Like, of all the things that, like, celebrities have tried to put together for us, like, that we don't need, this is not one of them. Like, comedians, I think, are, like, a separate part of Hollywood where, like, I'm not feeling resentful towards them. Like, to me, they they still are very much, like, have firm grips in reality. They haven't become, like, Hollywood, like, Ellen's yet. So I think this is going to be so funny. Um, I would love for Tracy Morgan to be involved, and I'm just unclear why he's not. Well, there's still some time for some additions, just like how Eddie Murphy was just added. Also, I'm so excited for this because when I was watching the One World um, event on Saturday night and, like, the Stevens and the Jimmys were hosting, and I said to Zach – and they were, like, you know, trying their usual jokes, but it just wasn't hitting. And I said to Zach, like, why can't they get, like, an actual comedian? Like, Kevin Hart would make this funny, and it would, you know, not be cringy. And here we are. Like, my prayers have been answered. I'm so excited for this. I think this is exactly what we need right now. Yeah, like, to be honest, when you said there was, like, another programming announcement, I was like, great, more blurry videos of people who don't know how to use cell phones, like, on cable. But this actually sounds fabulous, and I'm really, really – I'm definitely going to watch it. Even though I have, I a, also- I have a confession – what? I don't think Billy Crystal's funny. I'm like, I don't think I've ever been privy to his work. I don't know him. It's just like not my brand. It's like so old man comedy. Like I'm over it. That's fine. It, it seems as though there, there's something for everyone. Yes, of course. Um, I do think that the programming though, like we started at like the, that I Heart living room concert to now where we're at with like Disney family sing along. Like I think it's getting better. For sure. So that's good. People are getting like better equipment in their houses. You like see, um, I don't know, people who do TV shows, they've got the mics, they've got cameras, teleprompters. I feel like we're getting somewhere. We're definitely making strides towards betterness. Yeah, but I also feel, thank you for that profound statement. (laughs) Strides towards betterness. I also am now like grateful that we have actually a really good remote podcasting situation set up. And now when you go on tour again, like it won't be such a cluster because we've got protocols in place. And I feel like the world has really adjusted and like lowered their bar for quality content. I agree with that. Thanks guys. Oh, I can, I can understand what you're saying. It works. Yeah. I could kind of see you like the shapes of your nose and stuff. Sure. That works. Yeah. 
Did you see I on our Instagram now? Um, I'm no longer posting like the Zoom collage of us because it's just nobody needs to see that. Absolutely, it's nobody depressing. Asks for it and nobody wants it. So now I'm just posting um, unseen photos of us from this time last year where we were glamorous, and I just think that that's more exciting. Were we at Coachella or Stagecoach this time last year? We were preparing for Stagecoach. I was looking at my time hop, and I had all my like outfit try on pictures. So many outfits. I'm so glad I didn't wear. Like Michelle, but then they totally hit. I miss Stagecoach. I don't like Miss Coachella, obviously, because that was total work. But Stagecoach was; those were the fucking Hallelujah nights, and I, I don't know when we're gonna have a Hallelujah night again. We are having a Hallelujah night every time. I had two white claws last night and listened to your Quarantine's playlist, and I'm like known for making plans when I'm drunk and then like not wanting to do them when I'm sober. Um, and like I swear to myself, I'm like, no, I'm gonna wake up and want to do it, and then I don't. Um, but Fire Away came on, and I just like wanted to be like at a bonfire at night. Like it doesn't even have to be warm. Like I wanted like a chilly night bonfire where we're like looking up at the sky, listening to music, drinking beer, and it made me like actually depressed. That is all that I want is a, is a fire, bond, candle. Or otherwise. I don't care. Or otherwise. Like that is- Fire in a trash bin. Oh my God. Sounds fabulous. Okay. Next up, Lady Gaga unveils the track list for her sixth studio album, Chromatica, featuring songs with Ariana Grande, Elton John, and Blackpink. Okay. This is exciting, even though it's not really anything. And if it happened not in quarantine, I would never choose this as a story. Um, yesterday, you know, it was the most exciting thing that happened all day because we got the track list for her album. She has some sweet collabs. I'm excited about all three of these. I actually think I'm most excited for the Blackpink collab. I think that song is going to be flames. Like, everything um i'm curious to see what her and ari do together because i feel like they have such different styles Mm -hmm. but i'm looking forward to it nonetheless um i think i'm most looking forward to elton john's collab i just think that's first of all so cool for lady gaga and cool for elton john i think it's going to be fabulous um the cover art was also released she's like in a pink wig her legs look so long she's wearing like her classic gaga heels it was very much like a lg1 homage like she's definitely going back to like dance club electric which i'm totally here for but i was really surprised at the comments on our instagram like so negative about the it's the album cover like what's wrong okay i hadn't seen the album cover until just now i had seen the other picture where where she's like in the um she's in that like metal grate or whatever but now i'm looking at the album cover it just it's it's like you said it's lg1 like there's no progression i feel but that's who she is it's like she did all these things and she decided like that's what she wants to do yeah i just feel like it's not it's not revolutionary and everything that she does is res- is revolutionary maybe she's tired like she's just constantly oh, I, I agree boundaries She's constantly rebranding. She does our pop. Everybody hates it because it's too much. So she scales back. She does Joanne. It's not enough, even though it's the perfect album. And she's just like, fuck you all. I am who I am. Here are my, here are my claw hands and my Alexander McQueen heels. Yeah. Like, I think she's tired and she's been like on the circuit, like Oscar club bus, another club bus. Do you know that TikTok? No. no sleep club, another club bus, club, club, another club bus, no sleep. It's Lady Gaga, like, when she was in an interview talking about it in her early days when she was, like, doing clubs, and they were like, what's it like? She's like, club, club, another bus, club. That's funny. Um, Yeah, so I just feel like she's over it. Like, she's been on – she's just been doing the most, and absolutely nobody has been appreciating it except for us. 
Well, no, I don't think she's over it. And I think people appreciate it. But I think she's had this whole arc. She's done it all. She did the Super Bowl. She won a, like an Oscar, right, for that song. Um, and so now the ball's in her court and she's just doing what she wants. She's not worried about like what she thinks people want from her. But I think she also does know that everyone will always be happy when we're getting LG1 fame monster born this way vibes. And so that's what she's serving up on platter. You know, I'm I'm very excited for it. Like, that album, Born This Way, like, really defined an important part of my life. And I'm hoping that LG6 can do the same. Like, I'm hoping I'm out of quarantine by the time it comes out and I could have, like, a fabulous summer with it. Yeah. I need a fabulous summer with it. Like, just supporting local businesses and getting back out there in a socially distant way. Because I just I, – I, I can't imagine, I, like, how we're going to be able to feel, like, comfortable, you know, going out and stuff. I don't even know. Like, I think the thing I will struggle with the most is like embracing people. Like I already like think people are gross and like will be limited with like my hugs and stuff. Um, but now I have like a good excuse. Like I, even like the friends that I like, like I just don't know if I'll ever like hug and kiss them like I used to. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to like, I've never worth hugging and kissing them. So that won't be a big transition for me, but it's just going to – everyone's going to have this awareness all the time, I feel. It's not going to be such an easy transition for us, like, mentally just to step out and, like, hit the scene. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like that, which makes me sad because as a girl who yes, used to love stepping out, hitting the scene, it's going to be transitional. It's going to be transitional. But I look forward to, to supporting our local businesses soon. I'm really looking forward to supporting the shit out of them. <laughs> okay. Next up, Julianne Huff is talking about self isolation self-isolating without her husband, Brooks Lage. She said, I'm really enjoying this time. I know you don't have time for this, but the story is everywhere. Her and her husband are like, there's something weird happening. They're not quarantining together, which tells you everything but you need to were. know. But they were. They were. And then they were being like thirsty with the People Magazine articles. Now they're not. And they're being thirsty again with the People Magazine articles. Like, I can't keep up. I don't even know who Brooks Lage is. And to be honest, like, I'm, Julianne Huff is like really making me hate her. I know she is. I know. But you know what? Like, I'm going to hold on a little bit more hope for her because just because, like, I really like her that much and I, I'm patient. You know, I'm a patient little stan. Julianne Huff is enjoying her, <laughs> her time self-distancing amid coronavirus while her husband, Brooks Leach, does the same in Idaho. She opened up about her experience social distancing, telling Oprah Magazine she's really enjoying this time in her life where she can connect to what's really important in her life. Being on tour for three months and traveling and starting a business, it's a lot. So to be able to be home and stop and pause and look inward and connect back to myself has been glorious. I've been on my own. I just don't know. Does this journey end with them just totally divorced and it was the most drawn out separation ever? Or does it end with them back together being like more well-rounded human beings for having spent time apart? Also, do we care either way? Yeah, no. I I mean, I care because I actually loved her wedding, like aesthetically, the lake. Like I remember just looking at those photos and being inspired. Like I just thought it was beautiful. So like that was percent. That was like my dream wedding. And I knew in no life would I ever have a wedding like that because that's just like not who I am. You know what I mean? On like where lake. would I get this where would I get this farm? What yeah. do I back for this farm? But the articles that I've read say that like their the break in their relationship has to do with like him exploring his sexuality. Um mm-hmm. Which is good for him, but, like, I feel like he should have done that before he got married. Um, but, again, everyone's on their own journey. So um, I'm really, like, over this. I don't really care. It's just so funny when I think about Julianne Huff like, in a vacuum. Like, did I think she was going to be the celebrity with one of the most dysfunctional dating, like, histories out there? No, I didn't. I didn't see that for her. But, like, that's what she's turning into. Yeah. Um, the piece about him exploring his – 
sexuality is interesting because like that's not mentioned in this article and they're just like talking about social distancing while he's like doing yard work and she's in california and it's like but is he with someone exploring his sexuality out there yeah and they were very open about the sexuality thing because i had read like a couple blinds about him that were totally like unproven but then like they were open they were doing articles talking about how brooks is exploring his sexuality yeah it was everywhere like i'm not making this up no, no, no. Like, the, I'm sure it's, like, the first thing when you Google him. He also has a podcast, um, so I'm sure he talks about it, but... Maybe that's what's keeping him busy. Oh, for sure. It keeps us busy. Yes, it does. Except we do it every day. Like, it always... I fail to realize that, like, most people who podcast do it once a week, you know, and mm-hmm. that we're actually, like, not in the same boat at all. Like, what a gift. Imagine if we just did it once a week, though. It would have I, to be I six hours long. I know. I wouldn't, I would not like that at all. It's like even the redheads, it's not often enough, but now we're up to two a month. So I'm happy. This was my sneaky way of getting them to do more episodes. Okay. <laughs> you started the pandemic. This, this next story is crazy, exciting, a little aviation news and innovation. Um, could one silver lining, according to my newsletter, could one silver lining of coronavirus be the end of the dreaded middle seat in, in coach? United is the latest airline to say it will start blocking middle seats in aircraft cabins as a way to give the flying passengers more room apart. One airline seat manufacturer just introduced new economy seating concepts that could become the new way forward in a post-corona world. They include middle seats that are flipped around, staggered seats, and protective glass shields around each headset headrest. Okay, I never had a th- like a th- any reason to think this, but now that you brought it up, like the airline industry is 100% to blame for the spread of this pandemic. Like the way that they herd people into economy, like they're fucking cattle, having no respect for their personal space, like the lack of oxygen, like, of course they were involved. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, I mean, they were involved because people like had to travel from one country to another in order to spread it. So like, maybe though, if they were treating people who had the virus like humans, they would have affected one or two people, not everyone on the plane. Yeah, um, like I agree, it's not great conditions, but like it would have got here. They're not responsible for this, but um, they're definitely like a breeding ground for anyone who is sick. And this is what they get for not treating us like human beings. Like the way they just like shove us all in. This is a long time coming. Like the airline industry as it stands right now is is not, it's so expensive. And what you get to be treated like an animal, like I'm just not interested. Like, I'd rather stay home and treat myself like a human being. So I think, like, they're revolutionizing their um, way of doing things. It's time. So if they're going to rotate the middle seat, then the middle seat is looking at the aisle and the window in the row behind them. The middle seat is looking at the aisle. And um, so the, the photo that I'm seeing now, it's like the middle, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't mind looking at people as long as I don't, they're not breathing on me. Yeah. It just doesn't seem I'll like a you, formula. I'll send you this article with some seating arrangements. Um, they have some prototypes. Because I think it could be instead of three people, three rows on each, it could be two, 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 two. two, two. I mean, I've been saying that for so long. It seems so obvious. Two, aisle, two, aisle, two. That way there's Six no seat. middle seat. There's only aisles and two windows. Yeah. I think it requires like a little bit of a wider plane because now you have two aisles. Um, but okay. Okay. We need to be up here. I'm curious on his thoughts. 
Yeah, you should send him this article. Okay, fifth and final story, just news that I think is so crazy. NFL is bracing for a virtual draft amid the coronavirus lockdown. So tonight would have been the NFL draft, a big balls out spectacle in Sin City. And instead, Roger Goodell will be announcing picks from his basement. And our husbands will be watching like with eyes wide Big open. Breath. I think this Can you imagine working your whole life to get to the NFL? Like through college, you had a scholarship, you woke up every morning, 6 a.m. running suicides, only to be drafted to the NFL in a basement. Um, I don't think that you work that hard for the actual draft. Like you work that would be like you work that hard for, you know, the games and the play, and they're gonna get that eventually. But like no, this no, no, but, sucks. like, your whole life, like, you try to get to the NFL. And like, the moment that you get there, it's usually this, like, huge spectacle. Like, people reference it as, like, the best day of their lives. Like, you're literally just, like, watching a screen in someone's basement. Yeah. I mean, that's just, like, the reality of life now. It's so crazy. Like, think of all the games that even, like, college basketball players, like, they would have had champions around – championships around this time, the March Madness. Imagine working so hard for that and then not even getting to play, like, in your senior year in your – like biggest game ever yeah what what age do you think is best to be right now like I would not want to be a senior in high school because like there are so many things that are like so fun and it really is like the best year of your life I was joking with you like a few weeks ago that I think if I could pick any age to be right now I would want to be a sophomore in high school like I would probably love being at home I hate school but actually like school is really not that bad I think I I think I'm happy with the age that I'm at like having a job, like whatever your job is, like it's not that bad missing it. No, I agree with that. Um, I go back and forth. Like on the one hand, I kind of want to be in third grade and I'm just like, no school, this rocks. Um, yeah. But then I'm just probably like annoying everyone around me. Um, I, think, I think actually right now is a good time to be pregnant because when you're pregnant, like you have to miss a lot of stuff and you know, everyone's going out and partying and you can't be there. And now it's like, no one's doing anything. And so like you get these months of pregnancy that are kind of like freebies because you're not missing anything. Yeah. And so going off of that, I have an announcement. No kidding. (laughs) And I also think, even though I think it's must be so hard to have kids in quarantine, like little kids, babies, toddlers, like they require your full attention. I can't eat like my hats go off to those parents. I do think like this is an amazing time. If you're a working parent and like right now you're home, you're spending so much time with like your newborn or your baby or your toddler time that you would never get to spend with them. I think it's really like a once in a lifetime thing. And so even though I'm sure it is taxing as hell, I feel like it's a great time to be a new parent and like get to see, you know, your child grow up in front of your eyes, something that you might've missed if you were working every day as normal. Right. Like I, I know someone whose maternity leave like ended um, last week, but we're not going back to work. So she's able to like spend time with her newborn. And honestly, that's pretty special. Yeah. I was FaceTiming when I was doing my virtual training session with Matt. He is, a, he's a new dad. And um, he was just talking about, he's like getting to see his like daughter grow up, like, you know, do new things every day, develop her personality. He would have never gotten to spend this amount of time with her otherwise. So I think that's pretty cool. So it must be cool to be a new parent right now. You know, and I know like I specifically complain about quarantine a lot, but I actually um, don't mind it. I've gotten like really in a good rhythm. Like I'm actually, I feel like when it's time to come out, even though I'm, I'm so excited, I, I feel like I'm not going to know what to do with myself. And like, there's going to be so much pressure to like stay out all the time, but like, I love it here. You know, and I've worked so hard, like every day cleaning, scrubbing, like to make this place 
warm, comfortable, and like a safe environment, like I'm just gonna leave. Yeah. I also feel like people our age, we're actually probably, even though I'm sure other people look at people our age and like, they're living the dream, they're drinking, zooming, blah, blah, blah. I feel like we're the people making the least out of our quarantine situations, you know? Yeah, no, I'm definitely like on the bottom of the list of the world. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like also also people our age are getting a lot of dogs right now. Um, And it's really also a great time to get a new dog because you get to spend all that time with them, train them, which you would never get to do if you were working. So yeah, like shelters across the country being empty is like literally the greatest thing to have happened to the world. Let's dive into our TV recap segment. Last night was the second episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Most of the housewives were back in Beverly Hills. It was just another fabulous episode where my distaste for Sutton Strack grew even larger. Yeah. Okay. So I want to start with the first scene we see her in when she goes to this super fancy restaurant with Kyle. Was that not the most awkward dinner you've ever seen? Like their conversation was so um, just like stymied and force and like uh, uh, ooh, uh, um it sounded like they were talking via zoom <laughs> yeah and Sutton like you know and I, I forgot to mention this last week the way that Denise spoke to the um the waiter at the restaurant at their hotel like about the reposado like I really didn't like that but she did just get like some really bad news from Teddy and like I was I, I was giving her a little bit of leeway but like you learn a lot about a person based on how they speak to waiters, waitresses, like hotel concierge, like anyone. So I really didn't like that. And I just felt like the way that Sutton was like being so like playfully condescending to the waiter, like about her drink, like with the pale pink, that means less vodka, more other stuff. And then like making him take the drink away. Like it just gave me like a bad vibe about her based off of the vibe that I already had, which is that she's like not cool and she's condescending and she like has money and apparently has a lot of it and doesn't know how to act because she was being an animal at her own party. And I'm just, I'm really getting a bad vibe. Yeah, but I think she, you know, not every housewife can be perfect. And it's like those moments where one housewife is acting like beyond strange and then the other ones are like, um, those are the best ones. Like when she was dealing with the mayor of West Hollywood who like didn't know her name and that was so crazy. And then Eric and Dorit were looking at each other. Um, that was hilarious. So also I've, I've read some stuff about Sutton. So I think the deal is with her, she was meant to be a full-time cast member. They filmed him in her house with her kids, et cetera. Then some like legal stuff um, is going like w- with her contract was going on with her husband because I think of the amount that they could film like about him or whatever. And so they needed to do some reshoots for her stuff in order to make her like at home package suitable for housewives but they can't do reshoots right now. So they just, um, she didn't get, you know, diamond and she doesn't have a tagline and, but she was meant to. And so she's on every trip and she's given the time of every housewife, but she just doesn't have it because they couldn't like tie up those loose ends because of quarantine. That's what I read. So I wonder if she'll be at the reunion like permanently or like she'll come on as a guest. It'll depend on her storyline in the season, but as it stands right now, it seems like the season's all about Denise. I'm not like, curious to hear what Sutton thinks about it. It makes sense because when she sent a, when they showed a picture of her and her ex-husband, his face was blurred out, which was very weird. Yeah. So I think they couldn't get all their ducks in a row there and then it became too late. Yeah. Um, so I just like, wasn't liking her. Like that conversation with the mayor made me want to die. And for someone who's so, she's just one of those people. And this is like a running theme in housewife who talks so much about like manners and elegance and all that stuff, but does things that are so ungraceful. Like the way she was like, Oh, you're the mayor. It's like, this is your store opening. Like, be, like that's, not, that's not classy at all. That's not Southern manners. Like, that was real, real tacky. 
Yeah, she just has this uh, like lack of self-awareness about her, like as about her personality that um, doesn't sit with me. But you never know, like I'm going to give her a little bit more of a chance. Not everyone can just be like perfect right off the bat like Garcelle. Right. And by the way, the little nugget that we got about Garcelle's email husband thing, like first of all, when she said her husband was having an affair and then she said for five years, like my heart actually sank. They were married for nine. Like half of her marriage was a fucking sham. Like I totally understood why she went crazy and wrote that email. And I think it was totally justified. And like, fuck her husband and her new house that she's moving into by herself is nicer than the one she's currently living in. So I was just really happy for her. Um, But that was like a crazy tidbit that I didn't know. No, I didn't know it either. And I'm sure like we could Google and find out a bunch of stuff. I'm sure it was a huge story at the time. Um, I love, like I just, her energy that she's coming in with is so exciting. I love that she wants to be set up because I feel like that will be a really exciting storyline. Like all these women have husbands who have friends. Like let's get this girl a billionaire. When Erica said it, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And the friendship, like I see, it's just like real recognizing real. And I think the two of them are going to become a powerhouse and their conversation, first of all, was everything. Like the fact that Erica got choked up, like she got choked up twice in the episode and both times I felt it was so earnest and like so sincere when she was just talking about how like everyone has something to say about her marriage, but like Tom is the best guy she's ever known. She like took in Erica's son when him and Erica first got together and like it meant so much to him and like everyone's just always like, even like she didn't mean to be rude, but Garcelle was like, what's her sex life like? And I'm sure it's like genuine curiosity from people because she's married to an 80 year old. But like, I love Tom. Like, I just love him and I love her and I love the respect that she has for him. And people say so much about their relationship, like Housewives fans. But like, to me, they're solid. To me, they're solid. Like, you could say what you want to say about, you know, a 40 year old woman and it, or how old is she? Like 45 and he's 80. But the fact is, is what she said, they've been married for 20 years. Like, you give me 20 years of marriage with anyone and I will respect it. Totally. Like she just came out swinging last night, especially in her confessionals, just defending her man, which is what I've been waiting for. So like, I am here for it. Here for it. Like if the two people at the lake house from the Dear Toasters episode yesterday are married for 20 years, like, uh, respect. We have no choice. Also when she, um, was in their kitchen and she gave her lawyer, AKA Tom, the copy of the Broadway agreement. And she was just like crying. And he was like, I'm so proud of you. He's coming out every two weeks. Like we never get to see that. Like I saw her on Broadway. Well, I didn't see her, but like I knew she was here on Broadway. I didn't even know Tom was there, but he was apparently there every two weeks. Like I, and she was crying in the, in the kitchen. Like I was crying so hard. Like I thought that was beautiful. Like from the shakers to Broadway. I feel like she's made the decision this season to open up more like emotionally and also her house and her life more. Um, And it's really, it's lovely to watch because she's so well-rounded because she's so fun and cool and Erica and glamorous and fabulous, but she's also like solid as a rock. You know, she has this just like constitution about her where she's so moral and good and to see every side of her is really nice. Yeah, and she was on Watch Rappin's Live with Meghan McCain, and I haven't really been watching that much um, Watch Rappin's Live at home, but I think I was wrong. I think I misjudged it because it was so good and so funny. Like, I was laughing like a normal episode, and first of all, Meghan McCain had such interesting insight about Leah McSweeney that I'll get to in a minute, but they did a segment um, called What Makes Erica Cry? And Andy was, like, asking her, like, do you cry from, like, the ASPCA commercials? And she was like, yeah. And Andy was like, do you cry from those videos of soldiers coming home and surprising their kids? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, do you cry from, like, videos of dogs on the internet like doing cute things she said no it was really very very funny and she was being like really open she was being and she looked sickening like literally her hair and makeup was perfect do you think she had glam or she did it herself she had glam like her hair was too perfect literally i dm'd her i'm like your fucking hair she said it was all her own hair i'm like oh my god you looked 
amazing. It was very natural. Like I just thought, I don't know why I was so taken with this look. And she was wearing this like graffiti long sleeve shirt. She looked like the best I'd ever seen her, especially the best I'd seen anyone on a Zoom. Wow. Okay. I'm going to watch it then. I have them all recorded. What did Megan McCain say about Leah McSweeney? Oh, so Andy was getting like Megan's hot takes. That's how they like chant in all the fucking Yeah, no, I love it. What What was she wearing? (laughs) (laughs) So he was getting like hot takes from Megan on like all the housewife drama in the franchise, like what she thought of New Jersey. And then he was like, what do you think of the new um, New York housewife, Leah? And Megan was like, I actually know her because she wrote this like huge expose about the founders of the Women's March. Um, There was like this huge expose done on them that like the three women who found it or the two women were actually like closeted anti-Semites and there was like this huge expose and Leah McSweeney wrote the article about it. Oh my God. That's it was dope. crazy. Andy was shook. Like Andy was like, what? Oh my, so Megan likes her. Yeah, Megan likes her. Um, Megan has like, we had, I pretty much had like the same takes as her. She like was very, she was being really funny. Like she's like not inherently like an effervescent person. And I think she talks about housewives, like the way she's on the view, like talking about like abortion. So like she was being so cutthroat. Like it was actually such a good episode, but then they did the weirdest thing. They played this game. And instead of Andy, like asking the questions, they brought in some guy. He was like the 15th congressional congressman of like a district in California. It was the most random thing ever. Okay, I'm gonna watch it today. So it was good. You'll enjoy it. I'll see what you're talking about. Okay, back to Real Housewives. Then the other big thing that happened was Teddy's invitation to all and Dorit's finances. We need to talk about. Oh my god. Okay, we need to talk about that too. But let's just talk about Teddy really quickly because it's like she just tries to be chill, and then it's like the least chill text ever. And then she's like, I don't care if you come. I don't care if you don't come. And it's like, wait, so you don't care if we come? Why are we invited? Like, yeah, like I couldn't tell what if she actually just wanted the women there, like because they're filming, they would have to go. So if she just invited them, they would all go and they would like begrudgingly be doing the activities. But at first when she sent the text, I'm like, you know what? That's actually really nice because if somebody invited me to something like that, like I wouldn't want to go. But if everyone was going, like I would feel pressure. So the way she sent the text, I thought at first was nice, but it was clear that she didn't mean that. Like, why was she being so weird about this? And then she just like couldn't stop her foot in her mouth at Sutton's store opening. So weird. It's like she she doesn't know just how to be chill. And I feel like I feel like I could send that text like, listen, I have this thing going on. Like, if you want to come, come. If you don't want to come, that's totally fine. And that would be it. And no one would like question it. But I feel like there's something about her personality where it's like we know for a fact that she feels not like how she sent. It was just really like strange. Yeah, and I understand why she doesn't want the women who aren't going to, like, be into the activities to come because, like, it'll put her business, like, maybe in a negative light. Like, I totally get that. So I don't know why she just didn't, like, stick with that mentality. Like, if she wanted people to come genuinely, like, she should have just made everyone come. But if she really didn't care, like, what's with the follow-up conversation? It was so weird. It was so weird. Um, but we need to talk about Dorit's finances because I am so invested. Like her new house is so nice. Like at first I was like, hmm, looks just like, honestly, for a second, I thought it looked like Jackson Brittany's house. Um, but then when they showed it from the back, it's like a $7 million mansion. It's so nice. It has a theater. Like it's obviously, it's not as nice, um, as the one that they were living in. Like the one that they were living in JLo used to own, like it was a real Hollywood Beverly Hills house. And I don't know where this new house is and I don't know LA real estate, but I'm sure there's a difference. There's a difference. You can see the difference, but also they were renting that house. And so you were always able to, if you're renting something, like you're able to get something nicer than you would be afforded to live in if you're buying it. But it's also just like 
flushing money down the toilet. So at first when I saw her house, I was like, whose house is this? Like, is this Beverly Hills still? And then they showed it from the back. And when she described it as a modern farmhouse and we saw all the like um, details, I actually really loved it. It reminded me a lot of Kristen Cavallari's old house had Mary Cavallari. Um, and I, I'm into the new house. I'm very into the new house. And the old house was kind of like a joke because everyone knew they didn't own it. And it was like, we're just waiting. And it's like, I, I just, it stressed me, it stressed me out. I like the energy of this new house for her. Yeah. And you know, most houses in LA are like not, unless you're like an actual billionaire, you can have like a very, very fancy house. And the front looks like a shack. Like it's always like even Teddy's house from the front, it just looks like a house, but from the back, it's like a three level thing. Like that's like the vibe in LA. So I really actually do like her house. I just, I want to believe that there's, I want to believe her that there's nothing wrong with her finances, but like, I just, I don't know why so many people would be saying so many things if there wasn't like a little element of truth. I want to believe her that there's nothing going on. And you know what? Like, I, w- I feel like I could have given her the benefit of the doubt, but like the producers sat them down, asked them very straightforward questions and their answers sucked. Yeah. And like, that's coming from someone who wants to believe them. And like, they did just buy a $7 million house. And also like, if they're having all of these troubles and they don't have money and they're con artists and now they've been on TV for a few seasons, like why aren't they arrested? Yeah. Um, also, I think that like the worst thing you can do is when you're trying to like play something off and someone asks you a direct question because when the producer was like, why is the house in your name and not in PK's? And Dorit was like, well, is your house in your name or is it in your and your wife's name? Like that is how I know you're lying about something. Yeah, it was they, just their answer sucked and like they could have done a better job. And like now when they were sitting there and the producer was like, you know, frauds, con artists, blah, blah, blah. I'm like looking at them. I'm like, are these people like going to be on American Greed next season? Like I, it was the first time I ever had any doubts. Like, and I've read the articles, but you know what? Things happen all the time, like with financial frozen, like, especially when you have legal troubles, like Dorit was having, like we read about the housewives, Erica and Tom were having some drama, Kyle and Mauricio. Like I'm able to like push it to the side because sometimes everything is fluid and you know, there's ups and downs. But last night's episode, like actually was the first time I was like, um, what? Yeah, and you just know, like, Camille Grammer is watching that episode and just, like, living for it. Yeah, I just I, – they didn't do themselves any favors. Like, they had an opportunity to explain, you know, and they just – they did a terrible job. And even their explanation about how, like, when PK built this company, $2 billion, like, it was just so fake. No, no, it's like, I'm sure that was amazing, like, when it happened 10 years ago, but what have you been doing since then? And the fact that, that he was once running a company worth $2 billion actually doesn't help him because it shows that, like, that's the life he's used to living. So, like, even when he's not at that peak, like, he's going to do anything to live that life. I don't know. Yeah, but, like, that was their explanation where they never finished the story. They're like, he was running a $2 billion business. And then, like, there was no closure to that story. Yeah, I agree. And maybe like, and I'll, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that the producers maybe like want us to feel ambiguous about it and see how things play out. But I also feel like in Beverly Hills, they do a good job of keeping the women's, like this must've gotten to a point where they couldn't ignore it anymore. You know, like we never heard about Erica and Tom's lawsuit or all the stuff that goes down with the agency. Like they don't talk about it, but I like, they felt like they needed to talk about it and that's what they left us with. And I feel like there's something there they want us to know. On that sad red carpet at Sutton store opening, like with Dorit going through all that, I don't even know why she stopped and spoke to the reporters. Like nobody else did. 
Yeah. I think that was one of Dorit's best looks ever. So if I looked like that and I were her, I would have talked to every single reporter, take my picture, write me in your magazine, whatever it has to take. Don't let this look go to waste. On Watch What Happens Live, they asked um, Megan and Erica to rate Dorit's style and they both gave her a nine. In general? Yeah. Well, Erica said she gave her a nine because only Erica's a 10. Oh, that's cute. But Dorit is also a 10. And I, I honestly, I love that Dorit and, er- and Erica have such different styles. Like they're both a 10 out of 10, but on completely like different sorts of vibes. Oh, sorry. One last thing about Sutton. Couture. Like, hmm? I, she's just so And when Erica was like, it's obnoxious to say that it's couture and it still doesn't look good. <laughs> totally. Like, I just, um, oh, and you know, I went on bravotv.com and I watched Sutton's home tour. She honestly is a very similar, it's bigger and like not as modern, but a similar house layout to Dorit's new house. It's like white and normal from the front, but then the back, but you could tell she's on like a bigger piece of land. It's like an older house. It's probably in a better area. Um, and the de- decoration was like so Southern. I couldn't take it. Oh, wow. Okay. I want to watch that because I need some context for this woman. Yeah. I'm trying to figure her out. Like I just can't. Well, it's only episode two. Like I don't think we're supposed to have her figured out. That's why I'm not going to rush to make any judgments. But I have Garcelle figured out. I know everything about her. She's fabulous. She's everything of the sort. That's all there is to know. I feel like there's two types of people who go onto reality TV. Like people who like have like things holding them back, like skeletons in their closet almost. And then like Garcelle who's just like diving into it. Like she's an open book. She like on the second episode talked about what was obviously like her biggest tragedy in her life, like her husband having an affair and then that whole email thing. Like I just feel like she's going about it like totally the right way. And I'm so excited for her new house. Yeah, I'm excited to watch her story play out. Um, let's talk about Too Hot to Handle really quickly. I don't think everyone has had time to watch it. I am not finished, but I just want to say, like, I'm episode three in. Like, I'm obsessed with Francesca and Haley. Like, I know they're maybe supposed to be the villains, but they're so funny. Like, everyone is being lame. And also, like, I've started to think about this money thing. It's $100,000 split between at what was at first 10 people. 10. Now it's 11 people. But let's even start with the 10. That means that if you don't ever fuck up, you get $10,000. After taxes, you get around, I'm going to say $5,000. But now another person's coming into the house. We know later more people come into the house. Like it's $5,000 when you boil it down. A kiss after taxes is about $150 per person. So if I'm Francesca and I'm taking a shower with um, Kels and he's not kissing me and it's like, I'm not worth $150. So- Here's the thing about the money, and I'm not going to – I finished it, and I have so many thoughts. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but the money, they never make it clear what the rules are in the beginning, and only at the end do you find out who gets the money and how much they get. It's very ambiguous. It's like at the end, the money's like irrelevant. It's so weird. Like it's this ambiguous thing, and then they only tell everyone at the end. Like these kids didn't even know what they were competing for. Oh my God, that's so crazy. And also it's like, they didn't come on the show to win money. Like with, are you the one or other shows that are contests like that? Like you go on the show, you know that if you follow the rules, like you will win, the group wins a million dollars, you win about 35,000. But when you're coming on the show just to like have sex on an island and people are like, you can have sex on the island or you can get this money that you didn't know was there. And now there's all these like weird rules with it and strings attached like have sex. I don't know. It's just, if they wanted to really make it enticing, they should have made it in a million dollar pop because to get like oh. tumbled over a $150 kiss. If someone wouldn't yeah. kiss me for 150 and to give up $150, like I'm not worth $150. 
yeah, the conversation you're having, you need to finish to, in order to really have like a, f- because it, it's so weird. You'll see. So I don't want to spoil anything, okay, but so I would it love to like get it gets even, It gets even worse. Like th- there's no real incentive. I mean, they act like, I don't know. It's just, it's not adding up. Also, I agreed with your Instagram story. The narrator talks way too much. They're trying to make it like Love Island where they have like a funny narrator and use pop music. And instead like this show has a, like a, a condescending narrator and uses yes. um, like, license free music um but i like i like the some of the cast and i i like the setup so far but there's just like something about it and maybe i just need to watch more and maybe it's just because the person that i like is like the villain and nobody's nice to her yeah you'll see but with the narrator like i actually like not having like a nick and vanessa lachey like i like just they cut time. Like the episodes are really concise. Like I like that, but the girl chimes in way too much. And for every five jokes she has, one of them is funny. Like the rest are so condescending. She's just always making fun of everyone's intelligence. Like I am not into the narrator. I need like 50% less narrator. Um, and I, I like the concept of like remote, like Lana. And I read an article. They only had five cameras on like camera men or women on the actual retreat the other scenes were filmed like from remote um like security camera basically so it was really was like they left them alone there was no host and i liked that but at some points like lana was talking so motherfucking slow like especially towards the end when she's telling who won she goes and okay wait i didn't know it was like that so i'm gonna watch that today um who do you like and then we'll recap it Okay, so I really like, for the girls, I love Fran and Haley. I love their friendship. They're hilarious. And they kissed. And then they were like, that was the best time I ever had in this whole house with these people that I hate. I was laughing so hard. Um, the two British girls, there's Chloe is fine. I know you don't like her. But so far, she's just like funny and silly. And she's fine. I actually like all the girls. I like Rhonda too. I think she has such a good head on her shoulders. And she's making smart choices. Like her and Sharon obviously have a connection, but like if he's not going to be emotionally available towards her, she's going to explore her options, which led her to David, who I actually think is the most eligible man on that beach. Like he's just so in tune with himself and he's so good looking and nice. And, um, but then ultimately like Rhonda and Sharon are super cute together. And obviously she like feels more towards him. And right now they just got back together on the beach in like the most beautiful scene I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then I hate Harry. Like, I think he's such a loser. He is, he, he's just so immature. They don't tell you their ages, by the way. But- oh, totally. Do you know that Chloe, I was, because I couldn't sleep last night, I was going on a major thing. Chloe just turned 21. They, this was filmed in 2019. I believe she was 19 years old when they were filming it. Oh my God. That's crazy. So I think Harry is also 19 years old, but Francesca's like way too mature for him. I actually liked her in Kels, but um, I don't think they actually like have any sort of emotional connection. What other guys are there? Oh, um- then the new... Byron Bryce, he oh, is a, like, are you jo- like, I thought he was going to show up with his like closest thing to a dad bod we see on that beach. And, <laughs> and I thought he was going to like, you know, be sweet. And instead it's like, I fuck a new girl every night. And the next morning I'm like, get out of here. I need a new girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no. And his boat, like, it's just so funny because to be honest, like <laughs> I Haley was like, he lives on a boat. I don't know if that means he's rich or he's broke. I was like, true. So true. I mean, it's just so funny because I finished it and like, I honestly felt the exact same way about almost everyone, except I immediately hated Chloe and she gets so much worse. Like you're literally going to hate her. Um, I felt the same way, but now it's like some of the people like really dive into like the personal growth elements and like some people don't. 
Um, and it makes you like, like, and dislike people in certain ways. So you'll finish it tomorrow and we'll recap it. And we're working on getting some of the contestants joining us remotely next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. And that's our show. Anything else you want to say before I wrap up? No, um, we have to do our Zoom happy hour today. I'm so excited. I'm going to get questions in Toast After Dark. So if you um, are interested in that, head to patreon.com slash the morning toast. Lots of premium content to help get you through the queue. We are so grateful to everyone who is watching and enjoying these Zoom recordings. And we're grateful to all the essential workers out there and healthcare workers and everyone who is helping keep our people and the world safe and healthy and happy. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places. Wherever you listen to podcasts, find us, the Morning Toast, and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. Also, please follow us on Instagram at the Morning Toast. We will see you guys tomorrow, Friday. Bye.